All right, I don't have a snappy intro like last time. So it's Death by Video. There's a movie that you never seen. The map is some ninjas or a crazy death machine. There'll be smiles. There'll be tears. You won't watch a movie for about eight billion years. It's time for death. Welcome back to another episode of Death by Video. This week we're covering Intruder, Scott Spiegel's direct feature directorial debut. So let's discuss Scott Spiegel. Uh, let me just bring up my notes on him here. So this film was written and directed by Scott Spiegel. Scott Spiegel is essentially the Forrest Gump of late 20th century filmmaking. Um, so for instance, here's the thing. He uh, met... He started making Super 8 shorts in 1969 when he was like 12 or 13. He met Bruce Campbell before Sam Raimi did. Like they all, Sam Raimi, Bruce Campbell, and Scott Spiegel uh, all grew up in the same area in, in Michigan. And it was in high school where they all met. But uh, Scott Spiegel actually introduced Bruce Campbell to Sam Raimi. And then he later on would introduce uh, a, a video store clerk that he was friends with to the producer, Lawrence Bender. That clerk's name was, of course, Quentin Tarantino. So without Scott Spiegel, there's no Reservoir Dogs. Uh, we should also point out that Intruder was produced by Lawrence Bender, and his follow-up to Intruder was Reservoir Dogs. So it's, it's very, like, bizarre how... Not bizarre, but um, just, like, interesting how everything sort of ties together with this guy. Um, when Scott Spiegel moved to Los Angeles in the mid-1980s, he shared a house with Sam Raimi... Joel and Ethan Cohen, Holly yeah. Hunter, Francis McDormand, and Kathy Bates. Uh, like I know. When he went, moved into another house, he shared it with Bob Murawski, who was a, the film editor that would go on to be Sam Raimi's editor. And Bob Murawski would also win the Oscar for Best Film Editing for The Hurt Locker. And he founded Grindhouse Releasing with Stage Stallone in the late 90s and restored and re-released the Beyond Pieces Hannibal Holocaust Cannibal Holocaust, Cannibal Ferox, The Swimmer, Hannibal Holocaust, The Swimmer, Evil Dead, An American His Hippie in Israel, and many, many more. Um, yeah, he's been around forever. Uh, actually, the character of Scotty from The Evil Dead is named after Scott Spiegel, because Scott Spiegel played the character of Scotty in Within the Woods, which was the proto-Evil Dead short film that they made before making Evil Dead. Um what else we have here? So when everybody who was involved in Evil Dead dropped out of high school, or not high school, university and college, Scott Spiegel did as well. And while the other guys drove cabs, Scott worked at a grocery store. And he worked as uh, on the night crew restocking shelves. And this is kind of what inspired Intruder. And he actually did a Super 8 short film called Night Crew which is loosely uh, basically the prototype for Intruder. Although in that one, it was a guy in a mask. Yes, Kit? Oh, just, um, I think they wanted to call this film The Night Crew, but the studios thought Intruder would be vaguer and would throw people off. But The Night Crew is clearly the superior title. Yeah, I mean, Intruder, well, the, the great irony of the title Intruder is that he's not an intruder. 
spoiler alert, the killer is not an intruder in the grocery store. He is one of the co-owners of the grocery store. I mean, there is an intruder in the grocery store. But... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He's douche nozzle Craig. Um, yes. It was not based on the Peter Gabriel song, Intruder. No. No, no, no. no. <laughs> it's loosely based on that. Very loose. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and Scott Spiegel, like, he's, he's still bounced around Hollywood for a while. After directing Intruder, he would go on to direct From Dust Till Dawn, Part 2, Texas Blood Money. <laughs> Which I never saw, but I know exists. Yeah, my, I've it's seen it. One. It's not very, well, yeah. It's, uh, the third one was the Spaghetti Western set in the past. Uh, Texas Blood Money starred, uh, what's his name, Robert Patrick from uh, Terminator 2. Um, and Danny Trejo showed up again in... in Why wouldn't he? <laughs> of course. Um, and he also directed the film My Name is Modesty, which was produced by Quentin Tarantino. He directed Hostel Part 3. Oh, wow. I didn't, yes? I didn't realize it was a third one. Okay. That was the direct-to-video one. Yeah, I saw the first two for some reason. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Eli Roth did the first two, and Scott Spiegel actually produced the first two as well. He was a producer on it that got it made. Um, and he basi- and basically, like, when they, the, they wanted to put a part three on home video, he did it. It's the one that's set in Las Vegas. No one's seen it. I don't know what it's about. I've never seen it. Because the whole thing is, like, if you thought Hostel 1 and 2 were extreme... Wait till you see when Hostel comes to America. So, yeah. Wow. Um, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Not God, I'm sure that's bad. Yeah, exactly. So, he, um, he's directed the film The Temple, which is yet to be released, and the recently announced Spring Break 83, which has delayed going into production due to you know, everything that's going on in the world. He also started to direct the 1992 film The Nut House, Nut spelt N-U-T-T, but he was fired by the producer three weeks into production and was replaced by Adam Rifkin, who directed uh, Psycho Cop Returns, a.k.a. Psycho Cop, Psycho Cop 2, which we watched like years ago, but he did that under the name of Riff Coogan. Um, so the film The Nut House turned out so badly that all three writers of the film, which were Sam Raimi... Ivan Ramey and Scott Spiegel, they all took their name, they all took on pseudonyms. So Ivan Ramey was Alan Smithy Sr. Uh, Sam Ramey was Alan Smithy Jr. And Scott Spiegel was Peter Perkinson. Uh, and then of course, since, uh, since the early 2000s, he's been producing films. He did 2001 Maniacs with Eli Roth. He did Hostel and Hostel Part Two, as we said before. He did a film called Facing the Lion, and something called Kane Hill. He also has 56 acting credits, but they're mostly in Sam Raimi's films or straight-to-video crap. So he's been around. He's you know kind of been involved in film for the longest time. He's still floating around, still doing stuff. He appeared in Spider-Man 2 as the guy who steals a slice of pizza from Spider-Man. And that also connects to our... to the... Um, to one of the actors in this film, Dan Hicks, who played, I think John was his name. He was the guy that turned out to be the killer. He was in Evil Dead 2, as well as the Hick. And oh. he pops up in Spider-Man 2 on the subway train. He was the conductor of the, um, of the, of the subway train that Spider-Man saved. So, again, lots of connections, lots of stuff. 
Uh, we can go on some more about behind the scenes stuff, but guys, initial thoughts on Intruder. Big thumbs up for me. Yes, Kit. I liked it. Yeah, it's a fun time. Good stuff. I'm glad. Yeah, we're the the goal from now until episode 100 is like all killer, no filler. No filler. No. <laughs> okay. Taking a cue from some 41. Oh my god. Circa 2000. I'm bringing it on back. And then, of course, from 100, episode 100 onwards, we're just doing Karate Warrior movies. It's all filler. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> all filler. After that. Um, so, yeah, guys, who wants to start off our rundown of this film? Phil. Yeah, so uh, we've, we're, we're opening on closing time at uh, the supermarket. I'm guessing it's in Los Angeles. It could yeah. be. I think it was shot there. I'm not entirely sure. Bell, California, it was actually shot in. Ah, good stuff. And we're introduced to Jen, who is played by Elizabeth Cox, and her co-worker, uh, Linda, who is played by Renee Estevez. And yes, Whoa, she is... Betty Finn. Betty Finn from Heathers. Yep. And the interesting thing as well to point out about Renee Estevez, she is the daughter of Martin Sheen. Yeah, yes. that's what I was thinking. And sister of Carlos Estevez and Emilio Estevez. Yes, exactly. Yep. Carlos Estevez, of course, Charlie Sheen. And she was in Sleepaway Camp 2 Unhappy Campers as Molly. That's, that's right. I love that movie. She was also in Lethal Weapon as the character of Underage Hooker, uncredited. Wow. Not so not so awesome. But yeah, like for someone who was in <laughs> uh Sleepaway Camp 2 and Intruder and Heathers and Heathers actually came out the same year as Sleep as Intruder. So, and she's gone on to be a I know she's a writer now. Um actually oh, she only she wrote on ironically enough Charlie Sheen's TV series Anger Management. Mm. So she wrote four episodes on that, which is well, you got to help out your uh, your fam. I mean, what yeah, are you going to yeah. do? I know. Yeah, if you're, and if it's Charlie Sheen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they call in a, uh, they call in a favor. Sometimes you got to yeah. answer. Um, so, yeah. Phil, it was closing time? It's closing time. Uh, you know, like, they're, they're Linda and uh, Jen, Jen, they're uh, bantering at closing. Uh, Wait, to, and, like, you know, I'm no... Um, there's a cantankerous old man. Uh, well, he's cantankerous, I think. Now I'm usually on the customer side. Because they're just, they stop checking him out to gossip. Yeah. yeah. standing there and he's like, hey, wait a minute. I, I kind of just want to leave. <laughs> which, would, uh, which would annoy me as well. So I was sort of on the old man side. But. Mm-hmm. Well, and the then old she man... screws up bagging the guy's groceries and uh, he just ends up walking out with, uh, with the groceries all on the floor. Yeah. It was a it was a pet theory of mine for the duration of the film, although I, I did suspect it was uh, actually Bill. Um, but I thought maybe it'll be not Bill; it'll be a surprise twist. It'll just be that old man. Just the old man. Off. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah, and so the <laughs> old man admonishes um, uh, a couple for not holding hands. What did he say? What did he say? Like, hey, love birds, hold hands. He's um, promoting love. I know. People to uh, express themselves. Don't be shy about it. Yeah, and that actor's name is Emil Sitka. So his line is "Hold hands, you lovebirds." He was also known for saying that line in the Three Stooges shorts. So he actually appeared in the Shorts. And interestingly enough, that line "Hold hands, you lovebirds" 
is on Emil Sitka's tombstone. It's his catchphrase. Exactly. It's his claim to fame. I'll write it um, on my tombstone. That really does happen. Yeah. And I have to say, I really like this independent grocery store. I miss independent grocery stores. This was actually, um, according to IMDb trivia, it was uh, shot in an actual grocery store in Ball, California. And just, they shot it at night when the yeah. store was closed. So they would just yeah, come they, in. They pulled in uh, Dawn of the Dead where they shot overnight and then were gone in the morning. They have a, a crazy selection. Oh, so go ahead, Phil. Yeah, authentic night for night. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> My favorite uh, Tragically Hip album, Night for Night. Yes. Is that uh, actually a Tragically Hip album? No, but Day for Night is their... Uh, oh, Night for uh, Night. That's my solo album. That's, <laughs> my, that's, when, that's my, when I'm going into my dark pop phase, Night for Night. They have an impressive selection of uh, a cereal at this grocery store, I'd like to point out. Um, and we get good looks at the cereal. It's the, I think the grocery store is half butcher shop, half cereal aisle. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I can tell. Um, but they've got sugar golden crisp. You know, you've got your frosted flakes. Uh, one with like an old school packaging too, like uh, before Tony the Tiger. Uh, something called Crazy Cow, which I can only imagine. Crazy Cow. That sounds uh -huh. just like a US only cereal. Mm -hmm. uh, another one, Kaboom. Oh, I remember, they, I, we never got it, but I remember the commercials for Kaboom cereal. Sounds frightening. Yeah. Uh, apple Raisin Crisp, all brand, of course, but then Fruitful brand. Fruity mm -hmm. Marshmallow Krispies, which sounds unfair. Again, probably just a U.S. market only thing. We never got these. Ice yeah, Cream yeah. Cone. Ice Cream Cone, the cereal. I remember that one. <laughs> I saw that in Maine uh, when I was a kid. And then something called Honey Smack? Honey, Honey Smack, yeah. And then... Is that like a knockoff of like sugar snacks or sugar snacks? Yeah, I don't remember. You don't sugar remember snack sugar snacks? Not that I was ever allowed to eat it, but yeah, no, no, no. cereal. What parent would allow their child to eat something called sugar snacks? Exactly. Not with sugar in the title. You could get your folks to buy, you know, like uh, honey comb. They they kind of like oh honey comes from nature it's a natural thing but with sugar in the title like we never got um, sugar crisp or anything like that no 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 anyway yeah. then something called spoon size which also you know of course it's what you want from your cereal spoon size yeah not forklift size <laughs> fork size cereal <laughs> exactly the supermarket you also has um, sorry go ahead Phil. It also has the generic no-name beer from Repo Man. I saw that. I thought that might have been an homage, or they might have shot that. Uh, they might have shot that at a different location because that was in the butcher section, right? Which was yes, it was. Which like well, there, is like a... on. there is an Estevez connection. Yeah. Yes, there is. Mm -hmm. It might have been an homage, but they also probably wanted to avoid because when uh, is it John that gets uh, killed by being stabbed into the. Um, in, no, Dave, or is it John? Uh, you mean the like the guy who's in charge of the beer? I the think his name is stabbed, Tim. Tim. Not Tim. The guy that gets stabbed right through the gut into the beer and blood and, and beer spurt everywhere. That's that's Tim. That's Tim. I think I think they might have done that just to avoid having any blowback from any of the beer companies that were actually mm -hmm. featured in it. Well, so like it's like Meisterbrow it, is is yeah. that a real beer? I'm guessing Meisterbrow. It sounds like a real beer. But it's but it's the exact same font and design as the Repo Man beer. Oh yeah, after that period, 
those brands were floating around like those cans and stuff that was floating around Hollywood for a while. Cause someone's like, Oh, we have generic stuff we can just put in the background. Cause you're never actually supposed to like see it up close. No, but, but there it is just beer. Um, so yeah, so we should, we, we meet Craig now, don't we? Yes, we do. Craig just shows yeah. up. Craig is the jacketed Craig and yeah. smoking a cigarette. Accosts um, Jennifer mm-hmm. for ghosting him and uh, not seeing him when he was in prison. Ghosting he, he him because her. he went to jail for killing a guy. He, he wrote yeah. her poetry, but uh, Craig I guess is it was manslaughter, but still. <laughs> Craig is uh, the uh, the retail worker's worst nightmare. He's the after close problem customer, real yeah. pain in the ass. Um, oh yeah, you don't want to see those. You hate to see it. Yeah. So he, uh, you know, he wears a black leather jacket. He just won't leave. I do like the fact that the entire grocery store teams up to beat him up, and they don't do a good job. It's no. super frustrating watching everybody fail at subduing Craig. Yeah, because he doesn't seem all that spectacular. Mm-hmm. It's it's cool that this is. So what people tend to forget now about Sam Raimi is that he used to act quite a bit. He also appeared in uh, the films Maniac Cop and Maniac Cop 2, Thou Shalt Not Kill, Except, Spies Like Us, Miller's Crossing. He was also in Innocent Blood, The Hudsucker Proxy, The Stand, the Flintstones movie from 1994. Uh, he was in The Shining, not the Kubrick one. Um, and he was also, Yes, the good one. <laughs> He was also in the 26 as a, he was also a voice in the 2016 version of the Jungle Book. So like he used to act and pop up in places. He also appeared in the TV pilot movie for Mantis. Do you remember Mantis from the 90s? No. I loved that show. It was a one season wonder on Fox and it was kind of like a superhero show. There were, like it was one of those things where like they developed the show and then Marvel Comics made a comic book about it afterwards. So Mantis is the story of a genius paraplegic who has developed a suit, like an exoskeleton called the Mantis, because it's like, it stands for like M, it's like M-A-N-T-I-S, all like with dots. So it, there's, it, there's an acronym or something. It's a show. Yes, and I remember this. One season, it was great though. It was every Friday night, they would show a new episode and I love the hell out of it. But, and it's one of those things like thinking back, like in my head, like as a child, I'm like, it must've lasted for like three years. Nope, one season over and done with. But he could fight crime while wearing this exoskeleton. And he fought like all kinds of like, you know, industrial bad guys, but also supernatural bad guys. There are these weird alien spiders that could control people's brains. Damn. Yeah. It's really cool. I liked it. Um, so anyways, back to the film. Yeah. So we see Sam Raimi. Um, he plays, uh, who does he play? What's his name? Uh, he's, the, he's the butcher. He's like the head butcher. Yeah. And then his brother is the uh, butcher's apprentice. I guess. Yeah, but he butchers plants. Randy. Randy. Randy is his name. And Joe yeah. is the uh, is head Randy. Who listens to the same song over and over and over again on his, on his Walkman. He's feeling it. It's... And maybe when it's... Ted Raimi dies, when he gets killed, the song slows down but keeps playing. It could just be one long song. You don't know that. Maybe he's listening to, like, I don't know, Adam Hart Mother or something. Yeah. Possibly. So they kick Craig out. They have called the police, but the police take forever to show up. They, I, I like how the police are pretty accurately depicted in this movie altogether. They really are. <laughs> this would fit really well into a de- defund police uh, 
They are themed uh, hmm. festival. There are two modes to the police in this movie: either bumbling incompetence or total Keystone cops. Extremely aggressive and um, also incompetent. Yeah. I do love how they take the dying guy's word for it. Like, they did it. They killed everybody. Yeah. And then they're like, oh, you totally did it. It's like, have you not investigated anything? Like, you would, you would hope, uh, not to skip too ahead, but you'd hope yeah. that, you know, some investigating would be done and it'd be like, oh, well, okay, it wasn't these two. There's, you know, security cameras and such, you'd think. Although I guess Bill would be in charge of those. Yeah, yeah. Bill would have wiped them. Bill, by the Bill's played by Dan Hicks. He was the guy that, that appeared in Evil Dead 2. Um, we should also point out there was another connection. Oh, right. The connection between this film and Day of the Dead is that Greg Nicotero, who played Private Johnson in Day of the Dead, he and did special effects in Day of the Dread. He actually, him, uh, it was Greg Nicotero, Howard Berger, and Carl KNB. I don't know. It was KNB Effects, like their effects company that did the effects for this movie. Um, and uh, Greg Nicotero actually has a role in this as he plays the role of Townie in Carr. Um, so some connection to Day of the Dead. I, I'm not planning there to be a connection, but it's like, it is interesting that the films do send a, I mean, it's that late, like 85 to, to 1990 period when like every, everybody making a horror film kind of knew each other. Um, where do we go from there, Phil? So after they, well, Craig returns. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he just kind of stands there, though. Wait, he phones and he stands there. Yeah. I mean, like, they're, they're feud- everybody in the supermarket is futilely looking for Craig mm-hmm. because he's nowhere to be found. But then again, he shows up and, you know, he's still harassing Jennifer. Still just can't get away. Yeah. Well, they actually, like, he's he, the first part of the movie I kind of liked because I thought, is this going to be the whole movie them looking for Craig? Uh, because they fail so horribly at subduing them, and there's like five of them, yeah. six, um, and they just can't subdue them. And he runs away, and he hides somewhere in the store, and they spend forever searching for him. And this is when you get to know the individual characters, mm-hmm. sort of, as they uh, kind of splinter off and go to their different sections to look for him. Um, the characters are also very conflict diverse. Like they, they, nobody wants to, uh, like everybody's yeah. hiding behind each other and. Just, yeah, they don't really want to fight Craig, but somebody's got to do something, and the police are just like, Jennifer keeps on trying to call them, and it's not working. No. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, she finally gets through, and then Craig shows up, and then luckily uh, the guys are able to subdue him this time and kick him out and kind of threaten him. Yeah. Uh, Come back again, and I'll kick your ass. Yeah. Uh, but it is, and it should, we should also point out that around a little bit after this, like, so they're the, the night crew at this convenience store that are cleaning, and I just, you know what, I just... A grocery store. It's not a convenience store. Right, sorry. I keep calling it a convenience store. It's a grocery store. I really miss the days when you could actually earn a livable wage by working at a grocery store. Because, like, all these people clearly, like, you know... And I also like the fact that this film focuses on working class people and not aggressively working class people because the thought was, you know, you didn't have to be destitute if you were working class back in 1989. You know, you could work at a grocery store uh, for your whole life and you know, afford like a decent apartment. Um, but unfortunately we learn that the two owners of the grocery store, which is Bill and who was the other owner? Dave, I want to say his name is Danny. Danny. Dave and Danny have decided to, well, I mean, 
Danny mo more so because he owns 51% of the grocery store. Bill owns 49%. 49. And as Bill tells Randy, like, I started out just like you. I was here. I started off as a, in the butcher. And now I like own most of the, like almost half of the store, but they've decided to sell the property and move on. So it's a notable it, detail that Bill was a butcher. Yes. Which explains why he's able to butcher the people in the store mm -hmm. so very, well, very well. I should also say that I had a my first supermarket job. My boss's name was Bill, and he does look a lot like Dan Hicks. Nice. We should yeah. also point out Dan Hicks passed away uh, a couple months back. Oh, rest in peace. Oh, no. Yeah, RIP Dan Hicks. He, yeah, he, he bounced around. He appeared in a bunch of Sam Raimi stuff. He appeared in Scott Spiegel stuff. He, you know, he was a working actor. He was also very popular on the convention circuit. I know he went to Shockstock in London, Ontario quite a few times. He was very well liked there. I know um, uh, Joe Bob Briggs and Darcy from The Last Drive-In were friendly with him. So uh, RIP Dan Hicks, uh, you, you will be, he was such a great screen presence. I actually, like when he popped up, I totally forgot that he was the killer in this movie because I'd seen this movie years ago. I'm like, oh good, he's, he's not playing like a, a you know, a redneck dirtbag again. He's playing, you know, I, red, redneck, clean neck or dirt, uh, blue clean collar dirt bag. I guess you'd call him blue collar. Yeah, a blue neck. A blue, blue neck. neck. <laughs> um, that, uh, when did you work at a supermarket, Phil? When in high school? Same here. I, I also had a high school supermarket job. So this yeah. this movie around that same age that a lot of these characters are supposed to be. Yeah. Um, like seventeen, eighteen. So definitely yeah. Hit. yeah, sixteen to eighteen for me. I applied to work at so many grocery stores but couldn't get a job. I worked at uh, Zares. Oh, Zares. No, I was going to say, like, a friend of mine in high school actually got a job at Sobeys, and he wound up working in the meat section, and he eventually became, a, like, the head butcher, and he's still the butcher at Sobeys to this day. So, like, he actually, like, all throughout university, still worked at Sobeys, never left, and then when he graduated from university, it's just sort of like, I already have a good job. I guess I'll just stick with it. So... Good for him. Right. Yeah. Keeping that uh, middle class dream alive. Um, yeah. Danny, Danny and Bill, the owners, they kind of dropped this turd right on the, uh, right after all this kerfluffle and everybody's upset and uh, Jennifer's nose is bleeding. Um, they, they're like, oh yeah, by the way, um, you guys have to mark down everything tonight. That's what you're here for. Um, we're selling the store. It's going under. Yeah. And then Sam Raimi goes like, oh, we should have unionized. Yes. Yeah. Well, you know, Sam Republican Sam Raimi. But he's, you gotta remember, he's a Republican from, from Michigan. So it's like, he's all about the unions. Like, he grew up with the big okay. three Detroit. It's, it's yeah. weird, like, Republicans from different, um, different parts of the states are different. I mean, that's also, like, Democrats, too. Uh, like a Democrat from Florida is way more Republican than a Republican from New York. So, uh, but what was I going to say? Um, is he, is Ramey a Trump supporter? I don't see that. Happening. I don't, not to my knowledge. Yeah. I think he's a Republican. That's like not a Trump guy. So maybe he's a Reagan Republican. I, I have a feeling that's probably that, it. Then, then we probably wouldn't have heard the union line if he was. No. Anything, but they also, as, as as Molly Ringwald said about uh, what's his name, John Hughes. John Hughes, being a Republican in the '80s was much different than being a Republican now. So, 
it was it was kind of cool you know you wore cool suits and you had money um cool. <laughs> not cool to me um all right so where do we so basically they dropped the whole point i do like the fact that uh who is it that goes in to shout at ted Raimi, hey you're fired and he doesn't even acknowledge it he's just back there popping up produce i think sam Raimi is yeah yeah the head butcher or whatever yeah, his name was like Produce Joe or something like that. Yeah, Produce Joe. Yeah, and so he basically says like, you're fired or you lost your job and no response whatsoever. And Produce and, Joe just works in the creepiest corner of the produce section. Also, it doesn't seem very sanitary or well lit. No. no. Like, hey, here, <laughs> chop up our, our watermelons in this filthy corner. No that, wonder they have to uh, sell the place. They can't even afford the lighting. Yeah. It's rough. And so around this time, Craig comes back in and... Well, he doesn't come right in. He's just no. around. He's around, but he hits Bill in the head with the hammer. Well, here's, here's what threw me off, right? Yeah. So from my understanding, um, Lin is it Linda? Linda? Yeah, Linda, the French. Linda's she, the first to die. Right. Which is before he gets hit in the head with the hammer, right? Right. So this... Yeah. this in my mind, when I was hearing him say the story, like, he hit me in the head with a hammer, and then I came, and I saw him kill Linda. I'm like, you killed Linda, didn't you? Yeah. I think Craig killed Linda, because he's still a creep, psychopath. That, that's the thing. He's not the, he, yeah, Craig is not, is not the hero of the story. And then yeah. when, when, when Bill gets stabbed with a knife, spoiler alert, um, he's like, where'd you get that knife? As if he'd never seen the knife before. Yeah. Because he hadn't. Anyway. Right. Well, the, the thing is, I also came up with this theory that maybe maybe the hammer blow to the head gave Bill brain damage, and that's what caused him to go on this murder spree. Oh, I never thought of that either. He just took wanna... over for uh, uh, Craig. Craig. That's just how he processed the trauma of the store being sold off. Yeah. He just decided to I'm kill I'm jumping her. way ahead so, to the um... motivation here. But, mm -hmm. uh... also, anyway, yeah, Linda... Back to Linda's death. There's a really, there's this great transition that it just transitions to just Joe produce Joe slicing the big watermelon in half. Yeah, that that's a that's a Scott Spiegel special, which Eli Roth did say that when in the first Hostel he tried to emulate uh, Scott Spiegel's transitions. By the way, we should point out the direction in this film, the actual camera direction in this film, is fantastic. It's, it's, yes. and I just wanted to point out before Linda even uh, leaves the store there's there's a thing where Craig keeps on calling um, mm -hmm. and upsetting Jennifer and giving her more nosebleeds um, and then uh, the phone rings again and Linda picks it up and just swears right into the phone turns out um, it's her boyfriend or whatever but the camera angle when she picks up the phone is through the rotary dial is yeah it's the POV <laughs> of the phone which I've like I've never seen that before well I should point out Scott Spiegel went POV crazy in this. He so did. Here are the POV shots I wrote down. POV rotary phone, POV bucket, POV floor, POV shelf, whiskey bottle POV, and of course, killer POV. I've always I wanted the whiskey bottle POV. I always wanted to see whiskey bottle's yeah. point of view. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Just like kind of like blobfish POV. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, like I know, like it's like this film is directed really well. The transitions are really good. The mm -hmm. editing is super sharp. Like, it's it's kind of a bummer. Like, I, I feel it like where the the movie kind of like fell, and not very hard, but it just it it was in 
the script and probably the distribution because the script itself is kind of like it's an, it's a plot device it's like why is it why are all these people getting killed because of this guy why is there only one exit to the entire grocery store i'm pretty sure the fire marshal would have a word about that or something what was that kit you'd think there'd be a loading dock or something at the grocery store right yeah you could just lift up the bay door and everybody runs out so yeah it's uh yeah i mean it's it's one of those things where it's like i don't i mean i just think it was distribution it was weird when I saw the full moon logo come up because I think Paramount put this out on video, and DVD, yes, they did. And the first DVD was a Paramount video DVD as well. I think the funny thing about uh, Paramount's distribution, by the way, is that um, they they include on the uh, the cover box and in the trailers just that Bill is the killer. Like they don't they don't actually. T- I was just going to make this point like 10 minutes ago and I completely, completely slipped my mind. I think the tagline on the, uh, the box is he's just crazy about this store and you can see him on the cover. So it's like, yeah, they, they, Paramount did not respect the, uh, mm-hmm. and of course, they as spoiled I, the motivation. Yeah. I think the audience can figure out that it's not Craig a li- like at least halfway through because the killer's face is not seen and, and movies aren't going to do that if it's just going to be Craig. Yeah. So he's exactly. clearly a red herring, but. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, and then, I mean, the plot, the, re- the rest of the movie is just people get killed off one by one. It's, it's Bill trying to save his store nobly. He's, by he's killing doing everybody. Yeah. To save the store. I do have doesn't to quite succeed, unfortunately. One yeah. of the gags that I loved in this movie was when Sam Raimi is eating olives out of a jar and there's an eyeball floating in the jar of olives. Yeah. Whose eyeball is that? I, <laughs> I think it was uh, Danny's. But it would have been skewered, I guess so. Yeah. I guess he could have just plucked it off and you didn't see the um the skewer point. And it's not like filled with blood as the eyeball probably would be. It's a fun detail, you're right, Graham. I should yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just wondering who whose it was. There's also some good sign humor in this movie as well. Oh yes. Especially after Produce Joe gets offed. Yeah, well I love how like this the sign says uh, what is it? Safety first! Exclamation point. Knives are sharp. Be careful. I, I love the um, uh, the smash cut there to uh, what's his face? Uh, the hunk. Um, the guy who we figure is going to be the hero and then he dies. Dave? Dave. Yeah, it's Dave. Yes, yeah, so he dies in the most gruesome way, I should add. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes, the, the, by far. The Like the chicken cutter. Yeah. Um, when, uh, right when the, it says knives are sharp, um, a smash cut to fucking Dave just swinging at the box with his box cutter in an opening. Yes. He tries to lift out the, uh, the flower and he's like, ah, it's all cut and it goes everywhere. And he's like, I hate it when that happens. It's kind mm-hmm. of a funny gag. Because he should have known that. I was a sharp. Yeah, There's a yeah. lot of wiggle room for banter in this movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's super fun. Which with, the, kinda... with the night crew, that's pretty accurate. I mean, they're... Deep. Sure, yeah. All you do is banter. Oh. But even when it's the tension's that high, there's still room for banter. Of course. Well, I mean, most of them don't know that they're being killed, like stopped and killed yeah. until the very end. It does the classic slasher thing of just not letting the characters know that there's any peril up until like the last 30 minutes. Yeah. Well, that's, that's, that's like every Friday the 13th film. The characters yeah. oh, don't totally, know yeah. they're in a horror movie until the very end. And the killer like arranges the bodies neatly. Arran- yes. <laughs> or they're just like tumbling out of every corner. Yeah. So then we do have that uh, shot where Jennifer, who ends up being the uh, the final girl, 
so to speak, um, goes through that whole like funhouse of horrors where she encounters one and then another and then another of her dead colleagues in, in gruesome positions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We should point out that Jennifer and Dave, like, there's kind of a love connection there. Oh but yeah, then, but uh, the way that Dave dies, like, I think it, I think it's a skill saw, isn't it? I don't even think that I don't even think that's for cutting chicken. I think that's a like a, a wood saw. Oh, I thought I thought they showed earlier um, a buddy just maybe chicken carcass across it just to get through the bone and cartilage. Yeah, so like we should point out that Dave gets his head totally by like cut in half bisected. Oh my gosh, yeah. It was it's great. really gruesome. Gnarly yeah, from like the cheekbone straight across. Yeah. Yeah. We, really um, awesome practical effects. Mm-hmm. By the way, um when uh we see what is it? There oh no, it's Tim that gets cut in half as well. But yeah, great gnarly but Tim gets cut completely in half. And when Jen finds his body, the sign says, as advertised, half off. Um Tim also is a weirdo because when uh, earlier when we see Dave and Jennifer, they start making out, he immediately goes to start jacking off, which is just bizarre. Yeah, that might be another reason why the film never caught on. Public display of affection. Wow. Here's my chance. Oh, it's overwhelming me. Well, I mean, it was before the internet. It's, it's, yeah, he basically is like, yes, I can get out of here now. Or I can, you know, get off, whatever. Um, Tim's a weirdo. Bub's also kind of a weirdo. Uh, Tim gets cut completely in half, and his sign says, oh, no, that's what I said, as advertised, half off. Bub, who is kind of like the soft-spoken guy who works the night shift. Well, this is where we get Chekhov's trash compactor. I know. Yes. We see him, like, compacting trash. And we then, know that. Yeah. As soon as you see see it, like, if it, yes, yes, Bill? Yeah, I should also add, I while I was watching Bub, I was wondering why Bub looked so familiar, but then I hear Bub speak. It's the actor Burr Steers, who 10 years later would co-star in Last Days of Disco as Van, the manager of the nightclub. Wow. Burr Steers. I had no idea. Yeah. crazy. Because he has such a distinctive voice. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's Van from Last Days of Disco. Yeah. Awesome. But back to this movie. So Bub is, like, crushing boxes in this trash compactor. And like Kit said, it's Chekhov's trash compactor. And when the killer crushes him in it, he is left dying next to a sign that says, on a box that says 100% uncrushable box. Yeah. Uh, Bub is the, like, the stoner guy. We get a few stoner jokes uh, Mm -hmm. out of him. But yeah, he just gets his face squished. And that's another pretty gruesome one. Yeah. If you're wondering who would have played Bub in the mid-90s, it would have been Brecken Meyer. Totally. Or if we're going a little later, it would have been um, McConaughey. Nah, Shaggy. What guy from Scream? Matthew Lillard. Matthew Lillard. Thank you. I like how Shaggy was your go-to. I couldn't think. Even though we've watched Scream. Yeah. I know. And I've never seen these Scooby-Doo movies, but just somehow he's imprinted on my brain as Shaggy. Mm -hmm. And we watched Serial Mom at. A movie night. Oh yeah, and of course he's in uh, Twin Peaks: The Return as well. Yeah. Oh yeah. Finally got redemption as an actor, as and he was the star of SLC Punk and co-star of Hackers. Yeah. Never seen Hackers. You've never seen Hackers? I feel like we should have a '90s. Uh, like we'll watch The Net. We'll watch Hackers. We'll have like a '90s computer thriller. Nice. Johnny Mnemonic. Yeah, Johnny Mnemonic, uh, a lawnmower man, maybe. 
maybe we'll just do hackers. Um, <laughs> I do hackers is, is good in a weird way because it's just like the internet's going to take over everything, which it did, but not in the way that hackers like you can hack the phone. Well, isn't the net even further off in its kind of sort of predictions or uh, am I... it's, it's kind of come back around because in the net, like the crazy, like I remember at the time watching the net being like, she ordered a pizza on the internet. That's nuts. And now it's like, that is Uber true. Eats is on your on everybody's phone. The Domino Pizza Tracker. Yeah. Um, so back to this film. I mean, it's just it's murder of plenty. Sam Raimi gets killed by being hung on a meat, meat hook. Yes. Again, Chekhov's meat hooks. Once you see those meat hooks, you're like they're going to be used. In fact, there's so many instruments in a um, you know grocery store, run of the mill grocery store that can be used. Yeah. Um, the the receipt spike is a good one, um, mm-hmm. but a lot of them just come from the butcher's room. We get yeah. cleaver knives, meat hooks. Yeah, we should point out Danny died. So earlier in the film, Danny is like writing things on a note and putting it on the receipt spike. And then he dies by having his, his eyeball pushed into the, or head. He actually does not die there, as we've no. later. No, he, he suffers for quite some time. Yeah. Just crawling around. Yeah, he comes back. He terrifies Dave when Dave goes up into the... Uh, I guess the, the storage space, because there's all the Halloween masks for sale, which look really good, and some yeah. Christmas decorations. This supermarket has an attic. Yeah. I'd... Accessible only by ladder. Where Bob goes to smoke weed, as, or the wacky tobacco, as uh, Bill uh, apparently found yes. there smoking yeah. there. I do have to point out, it's always weird seeing marijuana get mentioned in a movie before, like because now it's legal in Canada. And even before, like it was never a big deal, but it's like, now, like, because I'm, okay, full disclosure, I'm rewatching Friends right now, and anytime marijuana gets brought up at all, everyone's like, oh my god, what? You want to do drugs? Um, exactly like that. Um, wow. But yeah, it's just very bizarre that, uh, that, like, that weed is thought to be this, like, crazy, insane drug that'll, like, make society lose its brain. Uh, I remember, where- like, Sort of uh, like Roseanne around the same time, though. Like they they think they uh, find Darlene's pot and they punish her, and they're they're very upset about it. And then uh, Dan's like, "Oh, actually, that's our pot. It's been there for years. I just forgot about it." Uh, and well, then they all... um, so some some shows in the '90s had more of a relaxed attitude, I guess. Yeah. Or let's go go a bit further back, like in the Breakfast Club. Like weed leads to extreme dancing in the Breakfast mm-hmm. Club. And it also leads to Emilio Estevez being able to break glass with his voice. Yes. I, I think the, uh, the best depiction of pot in movies, though, would be Eyes Wide Shut, um, where they're smoking. I think he, uh, Tom Cruise utters a line, well, smoking pot makes you angry or some shit like that. Um, it's pretty great. They just act like people who don't actually smoke pot. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that was, that was by design. So we see Craig getting, sneaking back into the grocery store somehow and Dave attempts to like warn Jen, but can't because the, she can't hear him through the thing. Um, and then Dave, this is when Dave gets his head cut completely in half with the, with the table saw of some sort. I, yep. I think it's a skill saw. It might, it could be a chicken cutting device, but he gets his head cut clean through in half. I think we've discussed all the deaths, haven't we? It's, it's basically, yeah, like it's, uh, uh yeah. it's just progressively more and more gruesome. Yeah. Yeah, we've got, uh, so Tim gets with the knife, and then uh, he gets chopped in half somehow. I can't quite remember how. I guess, yeah. oh, with the uh, with the meat thing, the meat saw. 
I guess. Um, and then um, what's his face? Oh, how does um, uh, Joe get it? Uh, Produce Joe. He gets oh with a cleaver in the in the yeah. head. Yeah. That's I do have to say, I really like there was a, there's a gag in the bathroom where I think it's is it Dave that goes in to like be like if you're in here, let me know. And then he opens up and he sees two boots in the bathroom yeah, stall. Absolutely. Opens up the bathroom stall and it's just the stumps of people's legs. So yeah, it's a nice yeah. gag, everyone. Yeah, ha ha ha. Um, actually, my favorite death, and it's a it's a pretty quick one. Yeah, the poor baker guy who shows up, um, I guess, towards morning. He's got the baked goods. He's got his tray. He's got his little baker's hat on. He shows up at the door. And he just gets stabbed in the back and blood spews out of his mouth. And that's it for him. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Fun times. I do have Where to point out. Where to start your shift? <laughs> yeah. Um, I do have to say, uh, but one of Bub's lines made me, me laugh because he said, he insisted, I'm not going to be wedgied because I had the foresight not to wear underwear. Um, Own commando. Yeah, apparently Tim like would tease Bub quite a bit. Tim was the guy that got stabbed right through the stomach, through all of his intestines, out the back, into the cans of beer brand beer, and causing a geyser of beer and blood to spew forth. Yeah, it's amazing how uh, how long the murders uh, are not getting noticed by anyone else because the killer does not seem to be careful about blood splatter or, you know, mm -hmm. blood just dripping. But people are so used to it, I guess, around the grocery store because a lot of it happens around the uh, butcher shop. They're like, oh, this makes sense. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, we should also point out there's, there was a magazine cameo by Sting, um, the musician, not the 90s wrestler, uh, but he was wearing Ultimate Warrior makeup on it. There was like a close-up that, Sting. Wow, that's confusing. Yeah, because I like had to go back and be like, oh, that's Sting. Um, there's also an excellent use of snap zooms in this film. Like, I really like the way that they use snap zooms. Um, I do have also to point out, um, so, um, so everybody's dead, and then Jennifer's by herself, and she still doesn't know that... Um, Bill's the killer? Yeah. That anyone's the killer. She just starts wandering around the grocery store being like, hello? Where is everybody? <laughs> and, uh, you know, this is a good part of the movie because you're like, she's definitely the last one left. Mm -hmm. um, it's very like, um, what's that movie? Uh, what's that book? The Agatha Christie one. And then there were none. Oh, kind of yeah. Plot because um, the actual killer you think gets killed off earlier on. So you, you rule him out as the possible killer. Yeah. Um, and then I guess uh, Craig appears and she like stabs him with a, I guess she's detached one of the meat hooks or something. Yeah. Anyway, she stabs him and kind of just in the shoulder blade and he falls over. She cries. And then Bill appears. And he's and like, oh my like, God. Oh, sweet. Out. Oh, you're not dead. Oh, that's fantastic. I'm Thank so glad to see goodness. you. She's sobbing. Um, and he's uh, previously when she'd been trying to get away, like uh, she'd been trying to get out the freezer and she closed it on his arm and like his hand reached through and she was able to stab the hand. Mm -hmm. um, so anyway, he gives her a hug. Um, says, oh, you know, Craig knocked me out, um, and uh, I'm just coming to now. Um, I'm going to call the police. The viewer, as the viewer, you would know this has got to be a lie, because why would Craig just knock him out and brutally murder everyone else? It doesn't make any sense. Exactly. It's given away when, because um, he actually, doesn't he actually call the police? Or he picks up a phone. Who knows what he's doing? Right. But he's given away when he doesn't realize that his hands are covered in blood. Yeah. So she's, her, she's got blood on her. 
then he, she looks at his hand that is holding the receiver of the phone and sure enough it's punctured through and uh he sees her looking and he's like well oh shit and then he uh comes after he's her. giving her a dubious look yeah. <laughs> and he comes up with his uh he 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 tells her his whole uh, store-saving plan, which I'm still not quite sure how this works with all the mortars, but, you know, I'm not a business guy. Yeah. Uh, maybe multiple murders would save the store. Um, well, he does say that he's just crazy about this store. He is. This, this, and this, you know, proves a long-standing theory of mine, having spent uh, nearly a lifetime in retail, that uh, any one of colleague that you work with that is super about the store is a murderous psychopath, for sure. Cool. Just a um, uh, we should also point out, so then basically, oh, there's something earlier on that we missed that I want to talk about. When Jen is telling the story, so Craig, they went out on a couple dates like a year or so ago or five years ago or whenever, and they went out to a bar and Craig got into a fight with some guy and he fell on top of him and apparently there was a knife and it killed the guy, so it was manslaughter, so he went to jail. As she's telling the story, as she talks about him going to jail, the camera pans over and frames her behind like a magazine rack. And the magazine rack is like the metal like things. And it actually looks like a jail wall or a jail cell. Mm-hmm. Neat. Yeah. Well, again, the direction in this film is fantastic. Um, so how does Jennifer get away from Bill this time? There's a lot. She, she hides in, uh, she hides behind the popcorn at one point and he yeah. sees her through the, uh, the holes of the um, little pegboard. And he's no, she has. She's having a nosebleed, and it's mixing with the. Um, yeah, because oh, they, yeah, they. As she's running away, she spills some soda, bottle. and she hides. Yeah, she hides between like all these like in this area like of different things, and then she has a nosebleed, and the blood mixes with the the soda. It's very good story, like visual storytelling. Like she didn't give it away by going like ah a mouse or something. Um, then she uh, runs this way and that. Uh, so there's a couple that pulls up to see if the store's open at like three in the morning. And mm -hmm. then uh, as soon as the guy sees that it's closed and, and, you know, Jennifer sees that they're there and she tries to run for them, he's like, ah, oh, they're closed. And then him and the wife just peel out of the parking lot, just like yeah. as fast as they can, which is kind of funny. Um, and then, of course, the baker guy comes and gets stabbed immediately. Yeah, Bill uh, just magically goes outside somehow. Yeah, because... Well, there, apparently there's no other exit beyond the front door, which, as we've discussed, doesn't make sense. Uh, then she goes back to the bathroom, where uh, previously Craig had been kind of peeping Tom on her, right? I mean, he'd, he'd kind of been... I think so. I think someone was, like, peeping on someone. Um, oh, also, Craig gets up and, like, attacks uh, Bill at one point. Oh, there's actually a cool part where um, we see friggin' Danny crawling, uh, crawling out through the door again, saying, Help! Help! Uh, and right. she uh, she runs over to help him, and uh, it's actually Bill with um, Danny's um, severed head taped to his own head. Oh yeah! <laughs> and he, he says it's a clever decoy. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give Bill credit. He like he he clearly like had like backup plans and tricks in his his like way of doing it. And this is when Craig uh, re-enters the scene and tries to. Um, fight off bill and then bill beats him with danny's head yeah uh knocks him out uh but he's so hot in the pursuit of jennifer he just kind of leaves him uh runs after jennifer who's gone back to the shower bathroom area and is crawling through the window there that's how she gets out right kind of like the shining yeah then she gets out and uh, i think she runs to the phone booth and calls the police calls the police and then oh no 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 that doesn't quite happen she um 
she runs into uh, there's uh, Linda's car. She opens the car and then Linda flops out a uh, knife in her chest. Um, and then, oh shit, there's a uh, bill and he pulls her under the car mm-hmm. um, and he's pulling her like right under, I guess he was under the car and he uh, pulls her out through the other side. Uh, what he doesn't realize is she's grabbed the knife from Linda's chest. And uh, as he's about to come down on her with the cleaver saying, leave it to cleaver. Cause he's just lost his marbles now. <laughs> it's like it's as not opposed even... to before. Yeah. Uh, she she uh, says suck on this, which you know I hope I have the presence of mind to say to uh, my would be killer uh, when yeah. I stab them through the chest, and she stabs him through the chest, uh, and he's like, "Where'd you get that knife?" And then he falls over. Okay, uh, of course, she does not. She does not make sure he's dead, which is always a. The knife goes flying as well. Oh yeah, that's the weirdest thing. He falls on his back, and then the knife flips out, I guess, from the impact of him hitting the ground. It pops out of his chest, um, and then flips around, and then lands blade down right near his head, uh, all bloodied. It's quite something. I know. Lots of, lots of good stuff in this movie. So then and then she emerges, right? Well, or she no, goes she... to the phone booth, mm-hmm. um, and then she calls, and she's like, oh, I'm in danger, blah, blah, blah. She gives her address, uh, and then, damn it, Bill's not dead. He comes and attacks her again, um, and, I, I, you know, they, they tussle, and then this is where Craig uh, comes out again with the, with the cleaver and then just goes to town on yeah. Bill, although not well enough because Bill's not dead. Um, Don't they hit him with the car at one point? Maybe they kind of knock him down, and then uh, and then Bill phone booth uh, knocked over. Oh, Craig hits him with the um, yeah. The phone booth gets knocked over with him in it. I think yeah. with by the car. Mm-hmm. I guess Craig drives into the uh, the thing, and yeah. then um, he hits him with the cleaver a number of times. Mm-hmm. And then uh, you 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 hope that uh, Jennifer and Craig are not going to share a tender moment now. Certainly not. This is no. not uh, the yeah, direction. Yeah, still a douche novel. Yeah. Um. And then the cops show up and they do what cops do, which is they, they see the two people and then get very aggressive and arrest them immediately. Um, and meanwhile, they're, they're like, both oh. white people too. Yeah, I know. I guess it's a small town. Yeah. yeah. They don't have anyone else to pick on except for young people. Uh, and one well, of them. To be fair, leather. Craig is wearing a leather jacket. Leather jacket. Uh, five o'clock. And on parole. Yeah. On parole. Um, so but they, they don't just. Know that slam the two protagonists, well, the one protagonist and, and the one creep, into the cop car and, and handcuff them. Um, and meanwhile, Bill is like, it was them! They killed everyone inside! And the police are like, see, he confirmed it. Um, and that's how the movie ends, God bless it. Well, the ori- So it goes into Jennifer's mouth as she's screaming. Originally, the plan was for the camera to continue down, down her throat into her like internal organs, and it ends on her beating heart. That'd be, that would have been they ran out of they ran out of money, um, but yeah. So that was that was Intruder. So I mean, uh, it's definitely one for the books. I I really like the film. It's really fun. It's really it's flowing. It's only eighty minutes, which is awesome. Eighty three minutes, sorry, eighty eight minutes for the director's cut. Um, which is what we obviously watched. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that would not was, fly in eighties uh, America. No, we should also point out, we should also, especially 1989, like in the yeah. in 80 or 81, maybe, but 89, no. But we should also point out that um, the two cops at the end of the movie are played by Bruce Campbell 
and uh, and Lawrence, Lawrence Bender. Yeah. And Bruce Lawrence. Campbell and Sam Raimi, at this time, they were kind of like using their clout in the horror industry to like produce or to get distribution for films that they liked. Like they also did this with The Dead Next Door. Uh, I think J.R. Bookwalter is the name of that filmmaker. He was a guy that it basically was like a super eight epic. Like they even shot part of it outside the White House. It was zombies climbing on the White House gates. Um, so, and like, the thing is like, when Bruce Campbell took off as like a cult hero icon, they promoted the heck out of him being in this movie, despite the fact he's only in it for like a minute at the end. He's top billed on the DVD release. I know. He's in um, it literally two minutes. Mm-hmm. The, so the interesting thing is that this film was entirely shot on short ends. Do you guys know what short ends are? Yeah. Uh, no, but I saw that in the trivia section here, and I was going to ask you, what okay. are short ends? So basically when a larger feature film shoots, um, shoots something, like if you're shooting a reel of film, you don't shoot the I entire... Like yeah, you don't shoot the entire reel. So what happens is you will, you will splice or slice the, uh, the film at where you, you finish shooting, and then the remaining film, however, is left on the reel, gets, uh, gets saved. And so you can buy short ends cheaply, but the thing is you don't know exactly how much you're getting. You don't know the quality of it. You, don't, you pray that it hasn't been accidentally pre-exposed. So it's a big risk to do this. Like They also shot the first third of uh, Jim Jarmusch's Stranger Than Paradise on short ends. And it's, it's a difficult thing to do, especially with color 35 millimeter photography. Like photography. But they pulled it off well. I mean, it was a risk, but also it's like you've got, at this point, Sam Raimi, Bruce Campbell, Scott Spiegel, who had like been working in the indie film world for 10 years at this point. Like they kind of knew how to, how to, you know, basically make it, make, make films work uh, and how to do it on the cheap and low budget. Um, the film is actually set in Walnut Lake, Michigan, which is the lake in West Bloomfield, Michigan called Walnut Lake. Director Scott Spiegel, the Raimi brothers and Bruce Campbell all grew up in that area. Um, what else was I going to say? Isn't the supermarket called Walnut Lake Supermarket yep. or something? Yeah. The one interesting bit of trivia about this movie is um, like a bill at one point um, over a staff lunch tells a, a crazy story um, that um, should indicate that Bill is actually a psychopath, but that would be the head and the hamburger story uh, that he tells to the um, his coworkers about some cop, uh, some I guess he was a fireman or something like that, mm -hmm. and uh, there was a person with a missing head, uh, and then there was a guy uh, who was just eating a hamburger and was told to go look for the head, and then came back swinging the head, still eating the goddamn hamburger. Um, and this story is lifted entirely out of Raising Arizona which had uh, been released a year earlier, the same exact story, except Bill Roberts is the um, name mm -hmm. in that story, and he's the name of the character in this movie, oddly enough. Well, the other thing, too, is that because the Raimis and the Coens and Scott Spiegel were all living That's together, right. yeah, it probably was something Scott Spiegel told them, and they pulled it. Like, I know that that happened quite a bit. Like, you know, Tarantino was always accused of, like, lifting stories that his friends told him at the video store. So... It wouldn't surprise me if it was like a bit of back and forth because I mean, Sam Raimi co-wrote the Hudsucker Proxy with uh, with the Coens. Uh, the Cohen, like Joel Cohen, was one of the editors on the first Evil Dead film. So it's you know it's it's back and forth and uh, all over the place. Like Bruce Campbell makes a surprising cameo in uh, in Fargo on the TV that they're watching, an old soap opera that he like he 
was in a regional soap opera in Michigan, and they used footage from that soap opera on the TV in Fargo. That's pretty sweet. Yeah, so it I was that of, detail. Yeah, there was a lot of cross pollination. I know Bruce Campbell pointed out because he got a royalty check from it. Um, but yeah, it's uh, a lot of cross pollination. I'm really digging like all the ties to rant. Like I, I actually dug out my copy of uh, "If Chins Could Kill." Bruce Campbell's autobiography, which is signed by Bruce Campbell to oh, me. Oh, nice. He says, stay um, Graham. Huh? Is, did, did it say stay Graham? Is that what it, it says? Stay groovy. groovy. Oh, stay groovy. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stay Graham, man. Don't change that name. It's pretty sweet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, the book apparently got updated recently. I haven't read it, though. It's like called Further Confessions of a B-Movie or Further... Yeah, would that be his second memoir then? Well, no. He it's basically just an expanded version of the first one. Okay. Yeah, yeah. He did write another book called "Make Love: The Bruce Campbell Way," which was a fictional novel about him getting cast in a Richard Gere novel, a movie. Which I was kind of a bummer. I was kind of hoping it was actually like Bruce Campbell, like trying to like teach young geeks how to like not be adult around girls, despite the fact that he points out many times he has no idea what he's doing, and like the, his wife basically told him we're dating now and he was like okay um so but still a fun read and he also autographed that for me as well i don't know where that is but i do know i do have when eventually we can meet oh. a person we can watch evil dead which is Ooh. also signed by bruce campbell um it was the same signing that's how i got it uh fun bit of trivia i just read um i did yeah. enjoy the um the bread employees uh quick death um, that's Scott Spiegel. Yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't yeah. know if you mentioned that earlier and I just missed it, but... I, I, t I totally spaced on that detail. So, yeah. So, guys, Phil, what is your final thought on... Uh, our final thoughts on Intruder? I really enjoy it. Um, I think we've touched on a lot of the strengths. Like, it's... Mm -hmm. The pacing's really good. The great shots, great editing... The movie does peak in its second act, but it's still fun throughout. If I do have a reservation, it's about the whole like final girl thing. Like she, Jen doesn't really get to be. Well, she's, no, her, her creepy ex-boyfriend kind of steals the thunder a little. That's bit. the thing. Like she's she's more of a damsel in distress than you know the traditional final girl. And I wish that the movie mm -hmm. was fell more into that slasher tradition i thought uh what i thought was going to happen and i was wrong but uh, i thought that i'd clued into something about um that weird detail about uh, linda's death happening before mm -hmm. um bill was supposedly killed yeah mm -hmm. and i thought oh so craig's also a killer so she's gonna think that she's uh rescued Wait. herself and then it turns out craig is all craig is also going to be a threat and she'll have to kill him but mm -hmm. it didn't turn out that way the cops came in and ruined everything yeah yeah, I, I didn't really like the idea of, like, Craig being sort of redeemed by basically, saving, by basically I, saving Jen's life. I think that was just more confirming to the, the storytelling tropes of the day where it's like, he's misunderstood, but he's not really misunderstood because he's a no. jerk. <laughs> and, he's a total aggro creep, and uh, I think in pretty much any other slasher movie, like, after the red herring would be revealed he would have been off like 20 minutes before the movie was over. Oh yeah. He would have been totally taken out of the picture. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's very odd. Like, again, I think like everything about this movie is great. I think the weakest part is the, 
the script because the whole purpose of the film is it's a plot device to get to those kills, to make it fun, to show off Scott Spiegel's direction. But it's like, yeah, like you don't like the character at the end. Oh, we lost Kit, but whatever. We, uh, we don't like the character at the end, um, of, of everything, but, uh, oh, I'm using enhanced encryption apparently. Um, but yeah, like it's, it's one of the, 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 those things that just doesn't make it all fit together well. Like not having Craig come back as Mm -hmm. kind of the hero, but not really. Like he just, it's, it's by process of like, they're the only people left alive. And I mean, it starts off that way of like Jennifer at the start, like trying to maintain her own agency over herself by like not just falling right back in with Craig. Um, Although she does kind of very quickly uh, fall in with Dave. So it was kind of like, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, that's really also happy with her and Dave. Yeah, but that's also again the time where it's like you know, people fall in love in a day. Um, sure, yeah, so I mean, and under great duress as well, exactly. Which actually they point out never actually happens, like, trauma doesn't bring people together, it pushes them apart. Um, so yeah, my final thought is this is a fun movie. I'm so glad we covered it on the podcast. I'm so glad it's it's now widely able to be seen. When I first heard about it back in the 90s, it was because they only had that one VHS release. And then after that, like it was it was not widely distributed. Um, I first saw it on the initial DVD release, which was out of print when I rented it. Um, but now it's been remastered on Blu-ray. Uh, Full Moon's got it, so it's everywhere now. It's on Tubi. It's um, probably streaming in a bunch of different other places. Great, fun film. Uh, I recommend it. Phil, do you recommend it? Oh, wow, 100%. Yeah. So, Kit, what are your final thoughts on Intruder? Yeah, I liked it. As I said, it was, uh, it was fun. Just ba- I just liked the kind of very basic plot line and the uh, practical effects were cool, uh, especially um, um, when Sam Raimi's character is dangling from the meat hook and then uh, Jennifer has to continually use him as uh, a means of keeping the freezer door closed by oh, banging yeah. into it and he's just kind of swinging there and back and forth and I'm like it's really well done it looks uh, looks good oh yeah it was KMB like uh, effects let loose for the very first time so um yeah I, I'm also reading that the apparently the Italian title for this film yes. is uh, Terror Senza Volto which translates to Terror Without a Face which is uh, mm. kind of fun it doesn't really make sense but oh uh, I, I love italians and their titles it's <laughs> like it's like what's your movie called uh it's called the sect well it's gonna be demons four now huh. wait what yeah now it's demons part four deal with it um actually demon six it was just announced demon six is gonna get its first ever north american release and guess what the plot of demon six is remaking suspiria of course. And they're not even like pretending like Suspiria doesn't exist. They're like, yes, yeah, Suspiria was a very successful film by Dario Argento. Then why are you remaking it? Because we can do it better. But then they unleash an actual demon and stuff happens. I'm excited. I'm very excited for that. I haven't seen Demons 3 to 5, though. Well, Demons 3 to 5. Oh, well, have you ever seen... Uh, uh, of a plot. Yeah. M- m- what's his name? Uh, the the guy that directed the Cemetery Man. M- uh, Michelle... Soave? Soave? I still haven't seen Cemetery Man. Oh, it's a good one. But anyways, that director, he directed, uh, a.k.a. De la Morte de la Bora. He oh. directed a film called The Church, which got retitled as Demons 3. Right, also, that one. There was also a film called The Sect, 
which was, I think, Demons 4, or maybe it was another Demons 3. There was two Demons... Yeah. Two Demons 3s. I can't remember what they are. And then there was Demon... Joe Bob Briggs has a whole thing about how, like, so many different movies are in the Demons franchise. Um, and then Demons 6 is something else entirely, but Demons 5 is, like... I think it's an American movie, maybe, that got renamed that. So, in oh, Italy... it's confusing as the zombie franchise. I know. The zombie franchise is so funny. Okay, so there's zombie, then zombie 2. No, zombie is zombie 2. What? Um, but yeah, I'm excited that's coming out. There's a whole bunch of good stuff. The Massacre in Dinosaur Valley is finally getting a high-definition Blu-ray release. I'm stoked for that. Um, that's, uh, that's the only fun Italian cannibal film. <laughs> it's it's amazing because that film is actually like it came out post Indiana Jones, so the char- the the main character of the Massacre in Dinosaur Valley is like this swaggering, like swashbuckling paleontologist that has to lead like a group of uh, of for some reason a Vietnam vet and a bunch of models on a photography exp- ex- expedition uh, just out to uh, to basically like get them out of this like jungle surrounded by cannibals and white slave owners or no sorry slave owners who are white. Um, it's very 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 convoluted but very good. Um, so yeah, so that was Intruder. Um, oh, one more thing on Italians renaming uh, movies. So Evil Dead in Italy is La Casa. Evil Dead Two is La Casa Two, and then when there wasn't an Evil Dead Three right away. In stepped uh, Umberto Lenzi to make La Casa 3, a.k.a. Ghost House. And then there was La Casa 4, a.k.a. Witchery. Ghost House is boring as heck. Witchery mm-hmm. stars David Hasselhoff. So I, I haven't seen Witchery yet, but I'm going to give it a, a watch. Because it stars David Hasselhoff. Yeah. Yeah, got to give that a go. Anyways, and that was Intruder. We'll be back hopefully soon with another episode. Um... Yeah. So until then, guys, everyone stay safe, wash your hands, uh, socially distance, wear a mask. Don't uh, touch your face. Don't touch your face. Um, Don't spit randomly into the sky and see where it lands. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, don't do that, Kit. So for Death by Video. I've been Phil. I've been Kit. And I'm still... What, Kit? Mostly. Mostly, Mostly, Kit. And I'm still Graham saying, please be sure to rewind, stay safe. Uh, we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.